Hi, I'm Bridget Murawski, and I'm the creative director of Baz Brothers Unlimited, a vintage wholesaler based in Fresno and Los Angeles, California. This is your bi-weekly dose of all things vintage. Hey guys, it's me, and I'm back with a new episode of my Best Vintage Life podcast. I hope that you all have been doing well. I'm so excited for this still kind of new fresh start to season three. So I'm just going to jump right into it. If you'd like to get in touch, please feel free to email admin, A-D-M-I-N, at mybestvintagelifepodcast.com. Or you could reach out on social media, Facebook, Instagram, and Pinterest. Always the most social on Instagram, I'd have to say. And also, you can reach out through the website at My Best Vintage Life, I shouldn't say at, www.mybestvintagelifepodcast.com, where you can read our blog, um, find out a little bit more about me, listen to the podcast through the website, do some shopping, sign up for our monthly Vintage for Business newsletter, which will be coming out in the not too far future in November. So check out mybestvintagelifepodcast.com. And also, exactly one month from today, today is October 21st, I will be launching my Best Vintage Life Academy. So I do have an Instagram set up for that, at my Best Vintage Life Academy. Um, I did a Facebook page as well, but I haven't really put anything on it yet. Um, I'm more focused on the website right now. So that's mybestvintagelifeacademy.com. If you head to there, pop in your email, you will get sent a free copy of my A to Z thrift guide. So... I don't really have time to spam. Anybody who's ever signed up for emails with me knows I don't spam. So um, head on over there, My Best Vintage Life Academy, and get your free guide, and you'll stay updated with class offerings, which I covered on the last episode. And if you'd like to reach out via Google Voice, you can do so. It's area code 559-365-6743. That's 559-365-6743. 6743. And I did get a voicemail this week. Super excited to um, listen to that. I haven't had a chance to do so yet. So if I don't get a chance to put it into this episode, I'll put it into the next one. Thank you, Corey, for sending me a voicemail. I was like, what is this? Oh my gosh, I was so excited. Um, And don't forget to rate and review the podcast. Uh, You can do so on Podchaser, which is available to anyone on any platform, or you can do so through Apple Podcast app. And I haven't gotten a new review in a long time. So if it's something you've been meaning to do, I'd really appreciate it. It just gets me bumped up there into the vision of other people who may be searching for a vintage podcast like you were at one point in time. So I really appreciate it if you take the time to do that. And uh, my obsession at the moment, well, right now I am rewatching The X-Files, which is quite a treat. If you've never watched The X-Files, I highly recommend you do so. You know, it's got a little something for everyone. You got some paranormal, some crime, some inklings of romance, sex. Um, I know, I mean, I feel like mystery. It's got a little bit of something for everyone. And how can you not love David Duchovny and Gillian Anderson? I think that they are 
two amazing actors and I still love watching their work to this day. So yeah, if you're looking for something, uh, you know, creepy and spooky to watch this Halloween season, I highly recommend checking out the X-Files. All right, we're jumping right into our first episode on problem solving, which is going to be covering inventory. This is inventory part one. For those of you reselling from home, um, or those of you that are storing in a studio, and after an Instagram post I did yesterday also, I've kind of forgot about um, storage units, so I'll touch upon that a little bit as well. This also can go hand in hand for those of you that are just enthusiasts and may have a robust collection at home. So definitely something for you here too. Don't feel excluded. Um, lots of good tips for everyone. So this is focusing more on the the physical inventory itself, not the math part. We're going to get into that in a third part. So next episode, we'll be covering inventory for brick and mortar. And then the episode after that, we'll go into retail math. So it's going to be a little bit of a long sequence here, but I think it's good for us to talk about it. A lot of you are vintage resellers, so hopefully you learned something. Some of this you might already know, some of it's common sense, whatever. Either way, listen and enjoy. So um, I'm going to tell my story. Basically, when I started selling vintage, I was in a one-bedroom apartment that was, it was an old house. It was built in the late 1800s. And I, um, I lived on the ground floor, which is kind of weird because the ground floor in the front of the house was elevated off the street, but in the back of the house, it was street level. The front of the house was on a hill. So my basement was actually ground level. Um, but I had the, the first floor was like kitchen, bathroom, living room, bedroom, and like closets. And then the basement was um, mine and we had like a washer and dryer down there and then basically storage like the hot water heater was down there and then basically just open storage space. There was a little area where my landlord kept stuff like locked between the street level and our part of the basement. So um, I kept my stuff in the basement. So a lot of this um, is really dependent on whether you rent versus Um, whether you own your place, whether you own a condo, a townhouse, an apartment, um, a house itself, or if you're just renting a space. But basically, um, I I wanted to tell you guys like tips on how to handle your inventory better because I don't think I did it the right way. I made a lot of mistakes. So first off, if you have to keep stuff in a basement, it's not the most ideal place to keep vintage, but there are ways to work around it. Um, For me, I was just buying things like crazy. There wasn't really a rhyme or a reason to it and things got very cluttered so I didn't have room for that many racks I probably had three or four racks maybe and not the big like z racks that look like a z on the bottom but just like the smaller rolling racks um and I was overloading them so it was very cluttered and pests are a huge issue in a basement there are so many I mean dependent on where you live pests just kind of like attics and basements they love it. For me, it was centipedes. That was like the big thing and carpet beetles. So please, if you're keeping something in an area like a basement, be mindful of that. It can really cause a lot of damage to your inventory. So you have to look for ways to fight against that. And also where I lived, humidity was a huge part of storing in the basement. And that can be anywhere in your house, depending on where you live, what the relative humidity is outside it can be made even worse inside. So I constantly had to be running a dehumidifier. Um, And I had a really good one. You want to get a good one because um, 
you know, for electrical and safety reasons, you want one with like an auto shut off so that when the reservoir fills, um, you know, you can just, and it was nice because there was like a utility sink down there. So I could just empty the water in there and then it would just turn back on again. But that was kind of my story. So I was in a basement that was humid, had a pest issue and was also cluttered. (laughs) And keep in mind, like I live there with my ex-boyfriend. So like he had stuff down there as well. And my landlord occasionally had access that space. So We'll get into some of those bits and bobs in a moment, but starting with my first tip here, I would say don't source or buy whatever, you, however you work. Don't do more than you can store comfortably. Was I, when I was doing what I was doing, was I storing comfortably? No, absolutely not. If we needed to get to anything other than my vintage, we were bumping into racks, almost knocking the racks over. You couldn't get around easily down there. Not a good situation. So, Also, something you want to keep in mind is that crowded clothing racks can cause damage to the clothes. You're not allowing the clothes to breathe. Um, Things can get snagged. They can get ripped. And, you know, like I had a rack next to like a hot water heater. There, you know, there were splintered wood on the walls. There were nails all around. I mean, unless you're in like this pure, pristine storage space, um, you got to be careful, especially if you're in an older building. And if you're in a tight space, you're bumping into stuff all the time too. So there's a chance that someone's going to get hurt. Someone's going to trip. So keep things comfortable. You don't want it to feel like a hoarder space. And that's kind of how mine felt. Um, And, you know, a lot of people look for like creative storage solutions. And I personally think that they can be bad because (laughs) sometimes they allow you to collect more than what you should, you know, like, oh yeah, I'll just find this thing to store. And I'm not even just talking about vintage, but like maybe for your regular clothing as well. Oh yeah, I'll just get that shoe rack so I can buy another 20 pairs of shoes or whatever. Um, Storage, creative storage space can really cause us to collect more than we should. So if you're using a lot of creative storage type solutions for your vintage, you might want to take a look at each one and say, okay, what is this really doing for me? do and like keep in mind you like you have to spend money on that stuff too so just do a little evaluation there especially if you're using a lot of those like little knickknacks like if you're going to the container store if you have a container store near you I don't but um believe me I've been there you know you're like oh look at this hanger system look at this box system look at this look at that I mean some of the stuff they have is really great and useful and helpful but uh some of it I feel like causes a little bit more harm than you think it will so and also if you're a renter discuss it with your landlord because my landlord ended up getting like really pissed about it um and also you know a lot of people unfortunately vintage just still has like a bad stigma but like his main concern was like pests like are you bringing bed bugs into the house what are you bringing in in these clothes and honestly now looking back like I totally get it because I might be a landlord one day and I would probably feel the same way like what are you what exactly are you doing so if you have a landlord that you're cool with um I would highly recommend just discussing it and making sure that it's out in the open instead of you lying and being sneaky about it and then something happens and they're like okay what 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 exactly were you doing um because if you don't own the property it's not yours you know and um it's very easy when you've been in a place for a long time like I was to make yourself at home um but at the end of the day you're you know you don't own you don't have like the title to that house so uh, just just keep that in mind. If you have a landlord that you're cool with, I would highly recommend discuss the situ- discussing the situation with them. 
Um, okay, don't source more until you've accounted for your existing inventory. So I think it's really important to understand what you have on hand. And it's easy to just go out one day, go to a thrift store and buy like five bags of clothing and then go out the next day and do that again and go out the next week and do that again. But at the end of the day, it's like, what do you have? You know, do you understand what you have? Do you know what types of clothing you have? Or do you, is everything still in a bag that you bought two weeks ago? So I highly recommend finding some sort of system, whether it's a notebook, um, Excel, if you use like Microsoft products or numbers, if you're on Mac, um, Shopify, which is what I use for my website for the podcast. Um, you, you can control your inventory on there if you're also selling online, um, you know, and just input the info, whether it's, you know, measurements, tag info, um, care content. It's good just to kind of get that done and out of the way so that you can, find the system that works for you in terms of the organization of that info and kind of process it from there because if things are sitting in bags or sitting in cubbies or just thrown onto a rack no rhyme or reason to it it's very easy to just buy too much and buy stuff that you don't need especially if you're still figuring out what your customer wants that is like such a prime time where it's like you should be doing little tests here and there and not buying super into something that you have no science behind yet in terms of the numbers. Okay. Assess your inventory frequently. So this is kind of going back to what I was just saying. You want to constantly be researching your customer base, especially in the beginning, whether that's going on Instagram, going out in public. Obviously, right now we're kind of limited with what we can do there. Um, but find out what what it is that you're going to be selling. Find out if what you want to sell is actually saleable to the people in your area. Obviously, there's online um, and that opens up a little bit. But, you know, if you're planning on being more of like a localized seller, then you want to make sure you know what people want and analyze your competition. What are they selling? What's working for them? Um, I'm not saying to go and copy them exactly, but understanding what they're selling will help you a lot as well um, and kind of help you to see, okay, maybe this will work for me. Maybe this won't work for me. And, you know, just keep sourcing once you figure out what sells best, keep sourcing what sells best and test any new ideas you have very small to see if it works for you. So if you want to see, okay, hmm, maybe I want to see if like I can sell some Hawaiian shirts. Okay, well, don't go out and buy 50 Hawaiian shirts, maybe buy like two to five and see if you can sell those. And then if it tests well for you, then keep, you know, building up your inventory there. And then obviously this is where once we get into the math part, you'll you'll learn a little bit more there as well in terms of like your weeks of supply and stuff like that. Okay. Uh, choose a specific amount of space to store your inventory and stick with it. So <laughs> for example, okay, let's use my, my story as an example because that way you don't feel like I'm picking on any of you. Or I had everything in my basement, right? I never went past the basement. Occasionally, I would bring stuff upstairs and I would do a sale in my living room. But say, for example, I was like, hmm, not enough storage space in the basement. Got to start putting it in my bedroom or putting it in my hallway or putting it in my living room. Okay, that's when you have to pump the brakes and say, no, this is the space I allotted. This is what I'm sticking to. Now, quite a few of you yesterday said you use a spare bedroom 
or you use um, an extra closet. Um, some of you are saying it's like madness in your house. Okay, that probably means that you have too much inventory right now. And I know it's it's hard because when you're just getting into it and you're excited and you want to sell and you want to be successful, it's very easy um, to have way too much stuff. But it's really important, and I'm telling you, in the long run, you'll be more successful if you just keep it slimmed down, you set that storage space, and you really analyze the inventory that you have, and you keep within that storage space, okay? Because, um, I mean, you know, and it could be anything. It could be like one rack. It doesn't necessarily have to be room specific. It could be just one rack. Okay, I'm committing to having one rack of the best vintage that I can. I know I can sell the best and I'm not going to have more than one rack until maybe you get a brick and mortar or maybe you move into a bigger apartment or maybe you and your significant other or your spouse, whatever, you buy a house. Stick to that. It could be one room. It could be one specific closet. It's just a good way to exhibit some some self-control and not go not go totally crazy with it and not you know just run away with it and be like oh my god what happened i can't move in my house that's not a good place to be because my next tip is remember if you're storing in your home that is your home and your home is supposed to be your safe space it's supposed to be your sanctuary and if you have clutter and chaos that will affect you in more ways than just your business sense it'll affect you mentally and your everyday well-being you have to be mindful if you have roommates be mindful of you know is this what they want do they want an apartment filled with vintage maybe they do maybe they're your business partner i don't know but be mindful of your roommates be mindful of your significant others your spouses and guests as well you know if you're someone who frequently hosts guests and you're using a spare bedroom for your vintage Will you be able to host guests comfortably? Are they going to be sleeping on a couch because the room's filled with vintage? These are things to keep in mind, all going back to your comfort level. So take a step back, maybe hit pause on the podcast and think about that. Okay, am I comfortable in my home with all of this vintage that I have? Maybe you are. Maybe you've kept it real nailed down and simple and you're in a good spot. Or maybe you're like, oh, wow. I need to go back and and reevaluate. Um, let's see. Oh, and another thing that I noted there about storing at home is like if, for example, you're in a roommate situation, if you're storing vintage, that is more le- most likely going to give you um, like you're going to be using more storage space probably than your roommates, and that can also lead to some like bad feelings as well. I know this just from having roommates throughout my life, not necessarily when I was selling vintage, but like, okay, someone has their bike in this closet, but I can't put my coats in the, you know what I mean? Like stuff like that. So keep that in mind as well and be respectful of the, um, of the people that you live with. And don't use an area for vintage if you 100% know that it's not suited to be one. Um, you know, for example, I, I talked about storing in, in my basement. If your basement floods or your basement has like, I don't know, some crazy issue with it, like mold or something like that, please do not put vintage clothing down there. No matter how much you want to do it, maybe you can like stick to, I don't know, like one rack in that you can move around or something like that. But Or if you have like an attic that gets super hot in the summertime, don't store vintage up there. Okay, think logically where is the best place to keep this stuff 
Um, if you're in a spot, let's say you're one of those people that's like, okay, I'm just going to um, have one rack of clothing, make sure you invest in a good rolling rack so that it rolls easily and that um, you can move your inventory around easily. So if you're in like a super tight little space um, and you want to have some people over for dinner or something, you know, maybe you want to roll the rolling rack out of eyesight. Um, like if you're in like a studio apartment or something like that buy a good rolling rack that way you can kind of just move it around and get it out of your way if you need to because I do know some of you listening are in very tight quarters I know um, someone reached out about living in Brooklyn so if you're in the city and space is a luxury that you don't have you know make sure you invest in a good rolling rack so that you can get that moving around easily and you don't feel so um like you're in so much of like a a clusterfuck for lack of a better term um one thing that i always try to do and i do recommend and if you have this great if not um you could always reach out to me and i can maybe make some suggestions for you try and have an area where you can quarantine your vintage before bringing it into your home that helps a lot with like the pest control so i mean you should be looking for these things when you're in the store or you're outsourcing from someone you should be checking pockets looking for traces of pests or whatever but um if you don't get a chance to do that like if you have a laundry area a mud room a sun porch an area that can easily be cleaned and that is far away from like your bedroom your kitchen like your true true living spaces it's a great place to quarantine your vintage for a few days um and just kind of keep things a little bit safer so you don't end up with any kind of like pest infestations and this is something that i'm definitely going to go into deep deep detail about um when i start my class uh for taking care of your vintage so hopefully you guys will want to sign up for that we're going to take a deep deep dive (laughs) and really kind of help you be the best vintage owner you can be I'm sorry if you heard my dog coughing just now. He's he's doing this thing lately where like he stands up and coughs and then lays down. He's fine. He's just he's a weird dog. <laughs> um let's see. If you are renting a studio space, keep within a re- reasonable budget and don't move to a larger space just to maintain a growing inventory. So I imagine oh, sorry about these trucks. I don't know what it is today. It's just like truck central here. Um I imagine most of you that are renting a studio space are also renting probably an apartment or you might have a mortgage on a home. So you're paying a double payment there. Please, you know, keep in mind with your studio space, like keep it to a minimum that um, you're not constantly like upgrading your space and your square footage that you're just going to keep paying more every month um, because that's just kind of really taking away from your bottom line. So, you know, just just keep it reasonable pick a square foot amount that you need and stick to it and set your rent budget as well and build your build your inventory really around what the space offers you don't um you know maximize your inventory and then you're kind of in a a cluttered studio space because i think a lot of you if you're lucky enough to have a studio that's like a little escape for you especially if you don't have like a full-time job that kind of feels like going to work for you so you want to keep that um you want to keep that organized and like a little escape especially right now with everything going on we're not going out as much so if you have that if you're lucky enough to have that escape and go do your work there and keep your vintage there just maintain that square footage and that rent budget so that you're not just you know blowing away money 
on rent when you're, you know, you have all this inventory that maybe might not be selling or selling as well as you had hoped. So definitely kind of rein it in, rein it in like a horse um, if you have a studio space. And, um, you know, make sure that you're able to comfortably work in your environment. So for example, maybe you want to have a little desk set up, maybe a little table where you can do measuring or um, mending alterations, whatever, or, you know, like, I don't even know, just some extra, like maybe some storage cubbies for like, if you're selling accessories, shoes or purses, you need somewhere to put those. Just be mindful of what else you would want in your, in your space so that you're not like, you know, you have all your stuff in a bedroom and then you're like, wow, there's no wall space where I could even put a little desk. So keep in mind, like what kind of um, spaces do I need to really feel successful and have a good working environment? And if possible, I think a really good thing is to store your inventory chronologically. So if you have racks, I'm assuming most of you are using racks, put your old inventory first on the rack so you have a visual as to what's lingering the longest, okay? So um, say, for example, you buy five wool sweaters and you put those first on your rack. And then two months later, you're noticing all the stuff behind the wool sweaters is, is gone and you keep adding more to the rack, but those wool sweaters are still there. Okay. So that's like a little reminder for you. Hmm. And you can even get like, they have those, um, like little circles, you know, like if you're at a clothing store, they're like small, medium, large, extra large, whatever you can buy those blank and write on them with a marker. You could do like different months. Like, okay, this was October, 2020. And then when you're done with October, put one of those things down and then start November. So you have a visual. Okay. Hmm. And then let's say you're, it's April, 2021. And those sweaters from October, 2020 are still there. That is, that is when you do some some analyzing and thinking, okay, like why didn't this work for me? And then take it from there. Make sure I didn't miss a note. No, we're rolling right along here. Okay. Um, and you know, maybe with, with that kind of like date dating chronological system, maybe have like a buy mark. Like if I don't sell this by this date, I will mark it down. So maybe have like, um, a week limit or a month limit. And it's really going to p- depend too as to like where you live and like the season, the seasonality of things. So um, maybe it's like for you, it's okay. If I haven't sold something from October, 2020 in three months, then I will mark it down. It's, it's so subjective to who you are and your business and the velocity at which you're selling things, but have some sort of system in mind for markdowns so that you can move that inventory. Um, you'll always hear Art say, like, I don't like to store stuff. I like to sell stuff. Um, so, you know, get that stuff out the door, even if you have to take a little bit of a loss. Okay, uh, let's see. <laughs> what did I write here? Oh, create a rule for yourself to manage your cravings to keep things for yourself. So it's all right if you want to treat yourself every now and then and keep something for yourself. But don't allow what you want to cloud your sourcement, your source while you're just <laughs> cloud your judgment while you're sourcing. There we go. I got it out. Um, so if you're outsourcing, whether you're at like an estate sale, um, maybe somebody called you up and you're doing some like sourcing at their house or you're at a thrift store, whatever, wherever you are, 
don't let like everything you like and everything you want be the main driving source of what you're taking. Okay. You need to focus on your client. And like I said, it's occasionally nice to say, okay, well, I really like the shirt. I'm going to keep it. But more often than not, you'd be better off just selling that to someone and making the money than keeping it for yourself. So if it's like your birthday, anniversary, um, maybe it was a special sale for you and you made a lot of money or something like that and you want to keep one piece, cool. But have a system for managing those cravings. Um, And if you're first starting out and you're like, God, I don't even know what to put into my inventory, a good thing to start with is just basics, you know, and then you can slowly find a niche after that, after you do research and after you do testing. For example, maybe you're like a 70s, a 70s person. You, you like, like maybe like some bohemian, some disco, you like those vibes, but you're just not sure if that's going to work. Start off by selling some basics, you know, t-shirts, jeans, cutoffs, um, whatever basics work in your area, which will also require some research and then start testing in those little things. Maybe you get some like disco shirts or maybe you get, um, some like bohemian type blouses or something like that. And then you kind of like pop those in with your inventory. I always say start with the basics because I know that's what sells. That's what people buy the most from us and that's what's selling right now. But I do have a lot of clients who like to do the peppering in. So start with basics, start with what you know you can sell the most of and then figure out if you can build your niche from there. And always, you know, take into consideration what it actually what actually like you need to store specific items. For example, if you want to get into the shoe, you know, selling game, cool, but you're going to need a shoe rack. Purses, you're going to need cubbies or hooks. Hats, you're going to need hooks or maybe boxes. So if you don't have room for items like those, it might be best to just stick to sourcing clothing Um, because it's very easy for like hats and purses and stuff like that to get crushed or to lose their shape because you're just jam packing them into something. So unless like you purely want to do accessories, um, as your base instead of clothing, then that's a different situation. But, um, if space, if you're really limited on space, I would suggest sticking to, um, a clothing rack or clothing racks, depending on the amount of space you have. Um, okay. So those were the tips that I had written down. Now I'm just going to add a little, do a little ad-libbing here because um, someone had mentioned storage units to me. So I don't have anything written down for this. This is all just off the top of my head. I don't have an issue with storage units. However, there are some things that I think um, are worth calling out. One is um, temperature control. So a lot of storage units do not have temperature control. I would highly recommend if you have to use one to store your collection, use one that has temperature control so that there's heat when it's cold and there's air conditioning when it's hot. You do not want your clothes. I mean, like outdoor storage units are basically just like an extra garage. You don't want that situation. So try and look for one that has temperature temperature control. Um, and also it's kind of like a storage units, like an apartment building, you know, like if someone has something like a pest, like there's a chance that you could get it. So if your neighbor two doors down has cockroaches, they might come knocking at your door. Same thing with a storage unit. So make sure you have like pest traps or some sort of pest control system down so that you can protect against that. And then this is a big one for anyone who's renting. 
or anybody who's using a storage unit is insurance. Um, if first off, if you're renting an apartment, you should have renter's insurance for yourself as a, as like a resident there. Um, a lot of landlords do require it. I know um, when I first moved to California and I was renting my home, I had to have renter's insurance. Um, you should have renter's insurance, whether it's required or not, because if there was a fire or some sort of issue where you lost your property and you don't have renter's insurance, then I don't know how it is in most states, but I know in Pennsylvania, like your landlord doesn't have to give you any money for your stuff, like you're shit out of luck. So if you on top of that have vintage, then yeah, you definitely want to have some sort of insurance on your collection and personally for yourself as well. Same thing with the storage unit. Um, there's always the risk of, of a fire or something like that, you know, so just um, look into ensuring ensuring your collection and making sure that if something were to happen to it, obviously I know it's vintage. We've talked about this before. It's irreplaceable. However, at least if you could get the monetary value um, given back to you, then you could use that to invest in replacing um, the irreplaceable, basically. So that those are my notes there on the storage unit. And also, I would imagine like most of them have good security systems. I've never used one personally. I had been looking into one right before I moved to California. Um, I know a lot of them have cameras and stuff like that. But um, whatever you can do to make sure that your stuff is super secure, whether it's like an extra padlock or an extra deadbolt, um, whatever's offered to you through your storage. And it's also probably a good idea, like if you're thinking about getting one or you need to get one, go out and do the research, like just go out individually. Don't, you know, wait until it's like moving day to figure this stuff out. And, um, you know, talk to the people that run the place and make sure that it, it is secure. And um, like I said, I think, honestly, temperature control is just so huge with those places because I've been in, I have been in storage units, actually, in the summer. Um, I went to buy, like, um, some furniture off of somebody in one, and it was just so, like, boiling hot inside. And in the winter, it's going to be freezing cold as well um, if, you, if you have a, if you live in a geographic place that has a winter, um, so those are just some things to keep in mind. And I think that's pretty much it. But I am going to pull up um, your Instagram responses right now and just read some of them and see if I missed anything from yesterday. So my question on Instagram was, do you store your collection at home, a studio, or a brick and mortar? Um, so I, I won't say names. <laughs> That'll make it a little bit less like personalized here but someone said my home and it drives me crazy not having enough space so I get it I get that it drives you crazy but we have to remember at this moment in time where we live is where we live and we have to live with the space that we have so that's my advice there at home and it's madness I did suggest that person listen to this episode um, somebody said yes, and I wasn't sure if they didn't understand that it was a multiple choice question, um, but she did, and she meant yes to all three. So she has vintage at her home, at a studio, and at a brick and mortar. So that's a lot, um, but her situation might require that. Like I said, it's very subjective to, to who you are. We have another answer for home. At home in a spare bedroom. Uh, the only negative is how hard it is to not wear pajamas all day. And I told her to get dressed. You'll feel better. And she, I believe, responded that, oh, yes, putting on pants is great for pr productivity. Um, 
This is the girl I know is in Brooklyn. She said half of her living room is vintage. So hopefully she has some good rolling racks that she can at least get them out of her way. Um, if she needs to, you know, entertain or just clean or anything like that, really. Um, home and studio, same space. Okay, cool. Um, let's see. Someone said, at home, my inventory is kind enough to let us use a bit of space for our bed and bedside tables. As someone else said, it's madness. Okay, so that's a tough one right there. You might want to do some analyzation. Because if, if it's affecting, like, your bedroom, that's a lot. That's a lot. And, I mean, I was lucky enough to not ever be in that situation. But I can't imagine having vintage in my bedroom. I think I would I would lose my mind. But if you're, I guess if you're in a studio, that is, that is 100% possible. Um, someone turned their extra bedroom into a vintage dressing room, which I actually did myself. My, my second bedroom is my dressing room. It's definitely not a vintage dressing room because I don't sell vintage... Um, as a separate entity and anymore, but I, I use it for my clothes and other crap, basically. Um, home in a storage unit, okay. So hopefully she'll listen in and, and take some advice there about the storage unit. If if she, I mean, she might be in a fabulous place, who knows. At home in a spare room, uh, 80% at my brick and mortar on the racks and 20% at home for off-season in storage or racks. Okay, that's kind of like a nice little setup. You don't have to keep too much at home. Uh, studio and some at home, and that is a jewelry seller. Jewelry is probably a little, well, I'm not going to say that. I worked for a, um, a jewelry designer, and I know storage can get kind of crazy depending on the amount of control you have over what you're producing. So I guess it all really, did, like I said, it's all just super subjective at the end of the day. Okay, well, those were your responses. So keep in mind next episode is going to be more for the brick and mortar owners however i would suggest whether you have um oh, this guy on this motorcycle kills me i'm just gonna wait till he goes by he's been told to slow down like three times now and he just insists on driving through our parking lot super fast so he's gonna get a nice note from art or myself anyway um <laughs> sometimes you just have to be a bitch uh, store owners, I, I suggest you listen to these episodes, no matter who you are, what your situation is, just listen anyways, because I feel like you're going to learn. I, I don't know. I thought these were some really good tips. So if you don't have a store, listen in anyways, you'll learn something good. And then we're going to do retail math. And I might cook up a little, a little mini course for you guys on retail math on, um, on my best vintage life Academy. That wasn't in part of my, that wasn't part of my original curriculum plan, but, uh, I think I could put that together really quick and it would be good for you guys to learn. Um, retail math isn't just for, you know, retail conglomerates or, you know, big retail stores. It's helpful for everyone. And believe me, if there's anyone who dislikes math, it's me. But um, it's important to know. And I, de I definitely learned a lot from it and got better at it the more I did it, you know, whereas like I can still do some of the calculations. Like when I was working at Urban Outfitters, I use some of them here and um, I just, I just reach out to my calculator and it's like muscle memory. You know, once you memorize the formula and you apply it enough to real life situations, that's the important thing with math really. Um, you know, then you get better at it and you don't really have to think about, okay, wait, what divides what and what multiplies what and what subtracts this, you know what I mean? So just something to think about. So yeah, guys, in the meantime, if you have any questions, feel free to reach out. 
you know, I always give you plenty of opportunities to do so. Don't be afraid to reach out. There's no such thing as a stupid question. I'm a former educator, so I'm used to all sorts of questions. Um, check out my Best Vintage Life Academy. There's not much to check out right now. It's just a coming soon page, but if you pop your email in, you will get that free A to Z thrift guide sent to you immediately. It'll pop right up on your screen as a PDF, and if you have any issues getting that, just let me know. Um, in the meantime, I hope you all have a lovely two weeks. I hope that you're staying safe, practicing self-care and kindness to each other. And um, yeah, we're almost there. We're almost done with 2020. And I hope 2021 is a better year. God, I hope so. All right. Stay safe. Stay healthy. Stay sane. And don't be basic. Bye. Bye.